Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a nonprofit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. No worries. So it's very rare that uh, we have two people with accents on this. <laughs> podcast um let me say this rugby fan massively yeah you know that south africa is the best rugby team in the world right well, that's um well let's leave the rugby conversation that's 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 can be a sore point at times that one well this is going to be i, I you know i try to set it up on a on a humorous note, but this is not going to be a humorous podcast, and uh, we're not going to tell anyone who you are. We're going to keep you completely anonymous based on uh, your desires, based on the things that you're about to tell us. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you reaching out to me over Instagram. And um, it's got to do with the fight that we are in every single day the fight that we constantly are trying to push, which is conveying the truth around hunting and hunters and who we are and what is necessary from a wildlife management perspective. And uh, unfortunately, the ugly side of that comes out and you've had to experience that ugly side. So I'm not going to do much talking. I'll interject a couple of times. I'm not going to say again, this will be difficult because I, I, I can't, I don't want to say, obviously don't want to say your name. Um, why don't you just go ahead and, yeah, let's go. Right. So, obviously, in the UK, um, I think in our country, we are under massive pressure, more so than a lot of the places in Europe and America, with the anti-hunting crowd. Um, it's not so much anti-hunting, a lot of it. It's anti-people. It's anti 
we have the same problem with the anti-capitalist movement that they're all the same people and it is getting worse and worse we have this conflation between animal welfare and animal rights and everybody seems to believe it's the same thing um so describe the difference between the two well animal welfare everybody's interested in animal welfare um i mean there's animal rights are a totally different thing um people that believe animals have the same rights as humans and you know they talk on control culls or hunting animals for for food or and it's down there's a lot of screaming you're murdering them you're, you're out you're there you're committing murder you you can't murder animals it's just um we haven't i'm part of um well I've, I've been part of the english hunting scene or fox hunting um don't go so much anymore because of the aggravation involved in that i am a registered vagical contractor which is obviously why I'm, legally i'm not allowed to put my name out in public and say i i this is what i do alongside one of my other jobs um which is part of disease control plans um uh, part of the British shooting industry, uh, a lot of game shooting for partridge, pheasants, and grouse. Um, yeah, and with my job, that pretty much sets me at odds to all animal welfare, animal rights groups. I, the, the, I, the one guy, guy called me the vegan antichrist one day. So wow, the vegan antichrist. Yeah, I've had some. Um, yeah, we've had some serious serious trouble with them like i've had uh i've got young young sons um one very young son one a bit older and if robbie's looked on my instagram you'll have seen my son is a massive part of what i do he's with me he's been out with me with the dogs and shoot side since he was three years old he's out with the on the rifles with me a lot now um kick and shoot he knows he knows what he's doing um I've had claimed you know, been a child abuser because I, I take a child with my son with me. Um, no different to many other fathers do. You know, probably millions of other fathers do around the world. But yeah, um, we've had uh, one of the worst cases of our, we've had is we've had razor blades sent through the post address to my son when he was about four or five at the time. Um, I used to be quite vocal and open on my socials about it hunting and going forward and i i don't anymore because it got serious we had uh, envelopes with white powder sent through once uh, addressed well they were addressed to me luckily it was uh, in a talcum powder but that was a police job the razor blades were a police job we've had vehicles smashed up um yeah for doing his job we have had people give us uh, for those obviously there's a lot of people around the world not just people in the UK listening to this but there's a lot of people around the world explain why you are a government pest controller would you call yourself a government pest controller well yeah it's, I'm it's classical contractor um so in the UK we have a pretty nasty disease called bovine tb um it affects, well, 
huge numbers of cattle are slaughtered every year because of it, and it's for farms to um, maintain the export market. Now, the animal welfare and animal rights lot will tell you we should be vaccinating and doing this, that, and the other. But the vaccine doesn't work. It, it's it, they keep saying we have to vaccinate more and more and more, more and more trials are being done, and it, it's not working. There isn't a very a very effective vaccine out there. Now, cattle are being culled in huge numbers, huge numbers. And one of the biggest vectors for the disease is badgers. They're what they call super spreader. So they once they've got it, they, as they're out and about, they defecate and piss out all over the ground. The cattle graze it, cattle pick it up. Cattle are an end-line species. When they get TB, they section it off. So um, it'll get in the lungs, they'll set that bit of lung, will die, and that's it. They don't spread it out as much. But we're killing huge numbers of cattle, and the badgers were protected in the in the UK. Um, but years ago, they used to be badger baiting, and they nearly got wiped out. So terrier lads hammered them, like hammered them right back to where they were a very rare thing in this country. Uh, they had um, a full protection put on them, and funnily enough, as the badger population exploded, which it got to levels it's never been seen before in the UK, the TB levels shot up in cattle. So a few years ago, the government opted for the badger cull um, in select areas. Now, that caused outcry, absolute carnage. Like The first year or two, it was only in two small areas in the country, and I wasn't part of it early on, and I checked me out after the lads that were, because they got hammered they had the aunties out for every night chasing around with thermals the, the cost of the call was huge and that's what's making the, the headlines the cost and the problems because the police are having to be involved the whole time um as it's proven to be more and more effective it's been rolled out all the bigger areas of the country the aunties now are spread a lot thinner so it's you know I, I, last year i only had well, I saw them three times. They didn't see me. The one night I had them outside our house, smashing, trying, throwing things at the house, screaming and shouting. And yeah, but uh, luckily I've got a fairly large dog at home that I let out. It made an awful lot of noise and they vanished. Um, but yeah, I, I like when we go out, we're very wary. You'll make sure nobody's on the road, nobody sees you going, and you vanish pretty sharp. And like, yeah, I've got my thermals. My thermals were looking for what's on the floor, but looking for who's watching me as well. You have to be very, very aware when you're out on your own. Like, well, we should, we're not... Let me ask this. Let me ask this. If the cops are involved, do they not arrest people like this? Is, no. is there no, like, there's never been a convicted case of... No. No, or not unless it gets really physical. So the favourite thing is they come out and they've got a camera right there. They're waiting for your reaction. Obviously, in, in the UK, it's not like America. So if you're a firearms holder, in America, it's a right to hold a firearm, isn't it? It's classed as a privilege in the UK. Mm. You, you, it's hard work. You've got to do prove you've got a, a need and a reason to have a firearm. Every calibre, you've got to have a specific reason for. And they will take that off you as quick as anything. So they're out there, the aunties, they're out there with a camera in your waiting for one flick, one, you do anything. They've got that 
thing you're threatening them on camera with a firearm, your tickets are gone. Your guns are gone. Like straight away. It's the same with driven shoots that are having problems with the keeper, you know, attacking the keepers and the, and, the, and the guns on shoots. And it's all there, same with the hunts. It's all cameraed straight in your face every minute they're there, waiting for their reaction. And it's straight on social media. You know, hunters threatening people with guns, badger murderers threatening people with their guns. And, and it's all for the headlines and the, you know, mechos look bad, where basically we're just getting on with the job. Mm-hmm. They do quietly and like the areas where the cull's been, a couple of two or three years into the cull, we see massive reductions in TB in the herd. But now we've got <laughs> a bit political, we've got Boris in number 10 and his uh, now wife who's proper right. welfare. And yeah, I, I think they're leaning, leaning very hard on stopping the cull, despite the fact it's working quite well. But there we go. Science. So let me let me. Science doesn't always win when emotions involved, does it? As we as we both know very well. So just a, a simple question: Do you want to see you're a badge color, badger color? Do you want to see badges eradicated? No, they're part of the ecosystem, but they're at unsustainable levels in this country due to um, being protected for as long as they are. I mean. You look all across Europe, and badgers are, are, are small family pairs that have a set, uh, like a small family each year, and then they move on. Here we have massive family groups. I've seen scanned across the field with a thermal, and in one patch, of like 15, I think, is the most I've seen in one place. They're like huge numbers. The damage they're doing, like I've seen 500 gallon water troughs, like big cattle troughs, for cattle, just disappear, fall through the ground where all the tunnels have been underneath. The fence is going down. There's roads being closed in the, in the UK because because they're protected. The badgers will dig under the roads. So whole sections of road, because the council can't touch them, they can't be moved because they're protected. So villages, like access to villages is shut off because badgers are there. And like any normal person would say, well, just remove them. But the law is as it is. And, you know, it only takes one person screaming blue murder. Uh, you, you, and that's it. Everybody's hands are tied. So, yeah, we have to, um, we have to do what we do, and do it quietly, and yeah. It's amazing that you get sent razor blades in the post. You get sent white powder in the post. You have people outside your house, you know, screaming, doing whatever they want to do. Yet there's no. My ex got hit by a car deliberately. Um, she was walking. We were at a hunt meet the one day, uh, walking up the side of the road. The hounds had gone away, um, and we were walking back to our vehicle. And I was on one side of the road talking to somebody, and the aunties were there that day, screaming and shouting and filming as normal. And there's a particular woman, um, could, could tell you her name, uh, and she had a, a Suzuki Vitara G. I think there'll be plenty of people in the UK who know exactly what I mean with that. And she was ramming her way through, trying to push her way past everybody. Uh, my ex-partner just kind of stood her ground and just looked at her and she drove the car straight into the ex, pushed her into the ditch with the car. Like, used the car as a to push her over. My lad was about three at the time and he went over with her and she just drove away. No ramifications? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. But she once, same woman 
was pushing away through the horses at me the one day in the car. My little lad was gate closing behind the last one, a last horse coming out, and she missed him by inches. It was one of the lads at the meet managed to grab my son and pull him out of the way. She was riding the throttle and revving past cars, and she'd have hit him that day too. There's nothing, nothing's ever said. Nothing's mm-hmm. ever said to him. Let me ask this. Obviously, this is an American mentality, but has nobody decided to just, I don't know, and I don't know if this is worthwhile or if this actually can happen in the in the UK, but, you know, people get sued all the time here in the US, right? Yeah. All sorts of different things. I guess that's not something that happens in the UK. No, not, not, not so much. I mean, we, uh, we had one, so a few years ago, I was in Southern England, who just lived down there, and um, we had one particularly annoying antique called called the calls have hunt monitors now because they changed law with hunting. Um, and he was basically spent every spare minute he had with a video camera following the hunt round, waiting for them to to slip to, to do anything that he classes illegal. Um, now my friend was a huntsman, a very good friend of mine. So you imagine you go to work and every day. You're at work, you have somebody with a camera in your face. Every minute of every day, every time you leave your yard, he's there following you, shouting at you, following you. Anyway, one particular weekend, it was out of season, and me and my friend were in town. What we're doing, but we happened to see this lad out in his, we were in our civic clothes, just as we were, and it's like, Bloody hell, that's... So we thought, well, bit of his own medicine, so put the phone camera on and followed him. Said nothing at all, just walked behind him with a camera in town. And he got quite annoyed and started shouting at us and did the same thing he goes, we're doing nothing, we can't stop us being here, because that's always the thing. You can't, that's what we always get. You can't stop us being here, we're doing nothing wrong. We're doing nothing wrong, so, so same again. We're doing nothing wrong, we'll follow you. Um, and we followed him for about 20 minutes, got a bit bored of it, went away. Happened to bump into him again later in a pub in town, so just went and sat on the table opposite him with a camera on him. Just held it on him like that while he had a drink and he was on the phone. He phoned the police, said he was harassing him. It's like, how, they came out, like, how can you come out and tell him we're harassing him when he's done this six, seven hours a day, three days a week for the last five years, and he has no consequence? Nothing at all. But we do it back to him and it's it's the end of the and we literally just sat there having his own just holding the camera on just for our own entertainment. Yeah, a little bit immature, but when you get it all day every day sometimes mm-hmm. but yeah, he phoned the police on us and they came out. And yeah, when they're when they come out to us, nothing gets done. Never. So the anti hunting establishment in the UK and probably much worldwide you know, in our book, you know, we seg- we segregate people into three pieces, hunters, non-hunters, anti-hunters. And to me, the anti-hunters, as you've, you've experienced probably better than anyone, are they, getting, are they getting more of them? Are they getting less of them? They're staying the same? What, what are your thoughts? Because you interact with them all the day, all, time, all the time. I don't think they're getting any more than there ever was. It's just social media amplifies the voice. Mm. It's, and 
obviously you looked on my Instagram. I don't. I'm I'm very aware of my posts. You know, we've been out and killed what we needed to kill. We don't. I don't put pictures on there. I just. I don't think it puts the right message across. I just think it, there's no. I'm not saying I never have in the past, but I'm more aware of it now than ever before. And um, yeah, the people in the middle are easily swayed by bad images. Very easily swayed. But I think a lot of people, especially in this country and the government in particular, need to realise what they see on social media is not um, well, like public perception all around. If you if you looked at took Twitter for example you'd believe half the world was anti-hunting and was abhorred by everything, where it's just a small minority, small but very vocal minority having the same message round and round and round. Mm-hmm. I sent you a link the other day, didn't you have the British TV presenter, Joe Spencer? Yep. Um, shot a... Ridiculous. Yeah, shot a rodeo. Just a roebuck. Um, not he's he's quite a known as a country lad. He sports country food trust. He, he looks after people. He's you know, and he'd just been stalking and shot a deer for his freezer. And there was an instantly links of it all over Twitter. The other British celebrities screaming. What was it saying? One saying psycho, psycho murderer, and <sighs> it's why people don't speak out. I mean, there's a lot of celebrities, high-profile people in this country shoot. Same as like you've, I've, I know you've said before in America, but they won't speak up. They will not because they know what's going to happen. They know the bad press it's going to bring. There's like when I've been on I'm part of game shooting and let's say pheasant grouse partridge shoots, and there is some big names, some big, big celebrities, some A-listers there, but like they'll never speak up. They'll never defend you. They'll never defend us because they just don't want the bad publicity that comes with it. They'll happily take the days and the good days out, but yeah, they won't put their head above the parapet and take the flag. Yeah, I hate that, man. That's this. That's my biggest goal in life, which is to create a cadre of celebrities, a hundred strong, not too strong, because too strong are going to get hammered. But you get a hundred strong from the US to the UK to anywhere, you know, and they all come out at once and say we are hunters. They can't cancel a hundred. No. They're going to be like, holy shit. And then all, imagine all the young people that follow them and go, man, you know. Um, I got uh, somebody connected me the other day. I haven't emailed him yet, but um, didn't realize that a very good cricketer um, from back in the day in the UK is a huge hunter. We're not talking about the the sellout old Kevin Peterson from the U- from South Africa to the UK. I'm talking about well, you know, Ian you know Botham. about Alistair Cook, don't you? Oh, Ian Botham. He's he's, a, he's a, Ian Botham's in the House of Lords now. He's he owns a couple of grouse moors. You heard about Alistair Cook? So Alistair right. Cook's a deer stalker. Absolutely murdered in the British press when it came out. Like, and there's he had pictures on his Instagram and stuff of him stalking. Now he's shut up about it because he got absolutely slaughtered with it. Alistair Cook's favourite thing outside is stalking. He loves it. But No, we need to help these guys, yeah. man. We need to figure out how to get them all together. And once we get them all together, Ian Bolton is probably the biggest voice behind British field sports in the UK. Like, without a doubt, he's now sat in the House of Lords and he's fighting for us. And we need more people with him. I mean, he's quite abrasive um, and he divides people, but 
I like him and he's on our side and uh, we need more like him. Like, What's Botham's nickname? Beefy. Beefy. Yeah. Right. So, he, I mean, he owns, he's, he loves his grouse shirt. And I think he owns them more. I'm sure he does. But I even, like the grouse, the, the you saw the debate the other day in Parliament, those, the three clowns at Wild Justice that believe they're helping, or putting out that they're helping British wildlife, but all, all they've achieved so far is set things backwards. I mean, last year, the, in the UK, we have a thing called a general licence, which lets us control predators and um, certain bird species. Now, COVID, COVID in the UK are a big problem. Crows and jackdaws and, and magpies. They challenged that last year and said we were uh, on the case that many, too many gamekeepers and people were casually killing these birds. Now, I said, uh, again, going back to my Instagram, I'm sure you've seen the, one of the pictures I've got on there of some of the damage done to livestock. Yep. So I, um, the daft thing is now, because of what they did to that law, before I, we could have taken those crows out before things happen. Now you've got to wait until it happens to then react. So they can, they can take, like you can see, you can have them sat around the field, the lambs or calves or, he eyed them taking ducklings. So we've got that good wild, uh, good duck pond and had a nice hatch of ducklings. And one day I had 12, the next day I had six, the next day I had three, the next day I had one and they're gone. And it was crows taking them. And until they started killing them, we couldn't touch them. Where instead of in the past, we'd have just, right, get them gone. As soon as the birds, the ducklings were on the floor, we'd, we'd have removed them. Um, but again, they've got to huge numbers now. And people are illegally trapping them running last and then the ant is going around smashing the ladder traps up mm. and like most I know most keepers and people now we've got more um, more camera traps out to protect our kit to protect our own traps and stuff and catch people I mean it's, it's an offence it is a it's a criminal offence to destroy a trap in this country but people still do it mm. and I've had I've caught people on the traps and sent the police round, and they've gone round. They've given them a bollocking, but said, "Don't do it again." That—that's all it is. But they will smash traps up. There's no recourse for that, and they think they're helping wildlife. But those magpies and those crows that are decimating songbird nests, game bird chicks, and they don't see that. They just say, "You're killing. You're killing crows. And you shouldn't be killing crows." Just learn a bit. If you—if you just have a, a little bit of an education of what, why we're doing it. But no, no, it's just we're wrong, and that's it. So let me um, put a finer point to this because we don't want to belabor the point because I know you know what what you said is it's pretty obvious. If you had your druthers, and I understand that the anti-hunting movement is never going to change their stripes, but if you had to sow seeds of doubt or quieten their voice how do you do it well i think it's big it's bigger than me i'm, I'm not the most eloquent person in the world but in in the uk we have some something called the uh, gwct the game of wildlife conservation trust now they are fantastic and i, I did a great job on that debate and feeding back to the and they are, it's, it's down to the science and people need to just put the emotion back a bit and take the science in. 
because they just prove time and time again the benefits of what we do. Um, I think hunters as one need to speak with one voice. I think the UK particularly, we're very fragmented. We've got Basque and we've got the uh, Countryside Alliance and Gamekeepers. Uh, every, it's all these little little organisations and we always seem to be on the back foot. The, none of them get out in front of everything. They, they always seem to be reacting to a government decision somewhere or a bad story that's come out about hunting. We we just rubbish at getting our message out there as a, as an industry as a whole. We just I don't know, starts working together and getting the adverts out in the Sunday Times or something like it, because the the league like the league against cruel sports the PETA all that they they get the adverts out they're in people's faces the whole time yet then we're all scrabbling on the back foot to react then to try and get it. We're never out in front of it, ever. And it just, we just seem to get hammered with it and having to constantly explain our position to their lies and crap, basically, instead of being out in front of them. And I think that is, that would make the biggest change, just not just here, but worldwide, I think. Totally agree with you. I have this vision of, taking out billboards, going out into big cities around the world, into London, into New York, into Sydney, talking about the benefits of hunting and, you know, the hearts of hunters and whatnot. So really, as you said, just get on the front foot and let's fight fire with fire a little bit instead of the old way that we tend to fight things. Um, We just seem to want to be left alone. I I was watching something the other day. um, It was on Field Sports Nation. Uh, and they're out deer stalking and a lad up in Scotland and he said in the UK we seem to wear camo to hide from people not animals we don't want people to see us we're not we're not using it to hide from uh, to hide away from the animals we're just from the public we don't want anybody to know what we do and it's right we don't like when I'm out I mean it's not so bad in England as bad as it is in Scotland but Scotland's do you know it's open access like right to roam, people can just walk wherever they want. Camp wherever, cook wherever, yeah. It's bad. Like the UK it's getting similar. I mean, there's there's footpaths, but people don't stick to them. And to be honest, there's been a few times I've been stalking. Down in the water, get down on a shot, you think, just always check the thermal before I take a shot. And there's been a few times there's been Somebody's there, dog running through the wood, and, and two walkers randomly walking through behind. You think yeah, you really shouldn't be here, but you just pull the bolt out, put the gun over your and walk away because you just don't want the aggravation of dealing with them. Yeah. I don't want well, if I shoot that deer when it's there, it's perfectly safe, but I know I'm gonna they're gonna come in and give me an earful, and it's just I, I, I don't I don't need the aggravation, and yeah. It's, Perhaps I should take the shot and then go and explain myself, but not knowing the reaction you're going to get when you do it, it's, uh, yeah. Do I want to be there, Grelican idea, with somebody filming me, shouting abuse at me? Probably not, to be brutally honest. Probably not. So... Well, my friend, I appreciate you coming on and appreciate you giving a voice to, and, and giving a little bit of insight to everyone that's, it's not familiar with the UK, not familiar with the system there, not familiar with 
the radical anti-hunting movement. I would say the UK is probably the most radical anti-hunting movement on the planet. It's horrendous. It's like it's it's not just anti-hunting. It it's still in the UK seen as a class thing as well. It's seen as a wealthy person. The whole part of field sports are seen as wealthy people, and it, it's it's not. It's not. It started with the fox hunting. I mean, the fox hunting was in the past, and game shooting was a couple of hundred years ago. It was a preserve of the wealthy. It's not now, it, uh, but it's they don't see that. It's a class thing, and it's. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how, we, how we're going to change it without getting out there and putting a message out. I, I don't know, but I. I with the impending lead ban that's coming in the UK and everything else, it seems like shooting is suffering a death by a thousand cuts at the minute. Just, there's nothing big happening, but it's constant niggles and technical queries on laws and the abandoning of lead and this, that and the other, and just nibbling away at us the whole time. They're going to make it where it becomes very expensive to shoot when you get to your, you know we can only use steel and tungsten and bits and pieces of bismuth and then cartridge cost becomes ridiculous and it puts you out of the reach of the normal people mm-hmm. banning you know, shoot, ban shooting on national parks so it's getting to a point where only people who own land will be able to shoot They're gonna, it, we're going to lose releasing the game birds I'm sure of it there'll be a licensing comes in then it'll be no more releases. So again, it'll be smaller, more wild shoots that are harder to run, cost more. So it, it, it will make it the preserve of the wealthy where they're done. And it doesn't look good. It, it, I worry, I, I'm almost certain my kids won't be able to do what I've done in my lifetime. I, I'm almost certain of that, especially my youngest one. I think he's, his future will look very, very different to to, to mine. So, look, it's uh, it, it's it's sad. It is sad, but it is um, it's the way it's going. And but then we're told, we're constantly told that it's what the public want. It's it's the public's wishes that this is happening. But ninety nine percent of the people, they don't care. They don't care. They just react to what they see on social media. And, and yeah, yeah, there we are. Well, that's why we fight every single day, my friend. That's why we push the message that we do every single day. So I appreciate you. I appreciate. I'm, I'm. I'm sorry for obviously all the stuff that happens to you, but uh, know that you have an ally in us, and our voice is growing every single day. And we're certainly thinking outside the box in terms of how to get out in front. I think that's the only way to make it. Better. Just. Not just the UK, but all around the world. I think we we just we've just got to be better. Got to take a leaf out of the, out of out of the Peter's handbook. <laughs> get out in get out in people's faces and and not hide. Like I said, not use our camo to hide from people, mm-hmm. but be stand up and be seen. So all right, my friend, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Ta-da. I appreciate you listening as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.